We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. And you are listening to either on the radio or on your favorite podcast app, Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, there, there's a, a, and again, I hate to seem like I'm so focused on nepotism, but a week or so ago, I gave you some of the jokes that some of my grandchildren shared with me. And unfortunately, I didn't give credit where credit was due. I simply said my grandson was my grandson, John, who is my namesake. And of course, my he's John, my son's namesake as well. So I thought I should give John credit. And then people were asking me, so is that the only grandchildren you have? Is just John and Lauren? So I think maybe I should list all of the grandchildren I have. Well, it might not leave much for you <laughs> to do for the show. It's only a half show, John. <laughs> I know. But for anyone who's interested, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Down here in New Athens, we have, we have Lauren and Eric, who are the children of my daughter. And then we have Joe and Aubrey, who are the children of my son. And it doesn't end there. That's the great thing. When we go up to Minnesota, we got more grandchildren. We've got Haley, and then we've got Logan, and Landon, and Aaliyah, and Kayla. And then we've got a couple more yet, but they're grown up. So I don't know if you can still call them grandkids or not, but Brian and Austin, they're in the list there too. So for people who inquired, there you go. That's the list. And oh, I help. Hope, please, God, I didn't forget somebody because that really gets grand grandpa in big trouble. Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> if someone so. gets left out. <laughs> okay. And you, Matt, how many grandkids do you yeah, have? None yet. Happy to report, yeah. John. We're not right. quite to that stage yet. Yeah, you're not, that your kids are not old enough that you want to have, but your one, he's getting up there, isn't he? Noah? Oh, yeah. How old is Noah? He's now? 19 already. So he's our oldest. And he's, uh, he's right now, as we're recording at least, he's on a band tour with the Concordia Chicago Wind Symphony. So they are over their spring break. They're going the northern Midwestern state, going to Minnesota and Wisconsin and some fabulous churches and communities. But he wasn't too excited about going north somewhere colder for spring break. So, uh, I can't <laughs> right. say I blame him. <laughs> talk, talk to them. You're supposed to tour Florida. That's, That's right. what you do when you do a band tour. Yeah. Did you get to see him, by the way, for your birthday? I know you said they were going to be close in the area. Yeah. Did you get yeah. to see him? Yeah, I sure did. So, yeah, my birthday is February 29th. Leap your baby. I didn't have one this year, but Noah still came in town anyway. So, especially since he wasn't here for spring break, he came in town for uh, for my birthday. So, yeah, he's an okay kid. We had a good time together. So, yeah, really appreciate it. And so that you don't get in trouble, your daughter oh, is. That's right. Thanks, John. So our daughter, we have another freshman, uh, a freshman in high school, Anna. So, yeah, she's yeah. she's a student at Lutheran South here in St. Louis and our artist in the family and just a wonderful young lady. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, John, for letting me mention that. And there's always time to talk about kids and grandkids, right? That's just one of the joys that the Lord blesses us with. And the days go when my grandmother would go shopping, we knew we might as well just wait there and stand in line because she was going to show all of the grandchildren pictures to the clerk. <laughs> That's what she would do. We've got things to talk about, though, because you wanted to talk about a story that I also dealt with, and that is the story 
Nicodemus. In fact, it is the most famous passage, I think, in the Bible that out of that encounter with Nicodemus for God so loved the world. John 3, where do you want to take us with that? Yeah, Matt? thanks, John. Yeah, it is interesting because I did a little research as I was recently preached on this text, and John 3, 16 is the most popular Bible verse in the world. So I found an article online, fascinating, connected to BibleGateway.com, that internet resource with all sorts of Bible translations and even languages. And they did a study of the most popular Bible verse by country. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Oh, what different countries in the world, what which Bible verses are most often searched on that website, for instance. But yes, a by and a far, far and away, John 3, 16, worldwide, most popular, at least most well-known Bible verse. So yeah, I think for me... The... But, but Matt, it's not a competition, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so please, no wagering. That's right. No wagering on your Bible verses. They're all good anyway. Right? Yeah, they're all good. But okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So one thing that I think is interesting to look at is to look at that text, that familiar text of John 3, 16, and even what surrounds it in the context of Nicodemus. He's the one that Jesus is speaking to. So we'll see how time allows and how it goes, John. But we see Nicodemus in John 3, chapter 3, but we also see him two other times in John's gospel. And each time we see Nicodemus, we learn a little bit more about Nicodemus and maybe how God and through his word was at work in Nicodemus's life. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway, yeah, I, so I'm going to, I'll just set the context, okay? And then we'll dig into the text. All right. But <laughs> see, we're doing this remotely, so we don't have the nonverbal cues. Okay. I talk, you talk, that sort of thing. So thanks listeners for bearing with us. But just to set the context, so we're John chapter three, right before that, we see, see some interesting things. So in John's gospel, Jesus already is in the temple, it appears, right, John? I mean, we've got yes, a few yeah. appearances in John where Jesus is in Jerusalem, and it seems as though, assuming this is in chronological order, that Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover in the temple, and he literally whips things into a frenzy. He makes a whip of cords, and he drives out the money changes from the temple, and take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. And the question is, what we don't know for sure, is John doing it in chronological order? And if so, then we actually have two times that Jesus cleanses the temple at the beginning of his ministry and then at the end. Although there are some that argue that John is doing a Semitic thing where he just tells us stories and they're not necessarily in sequence. But when we get to heaven, we can ask John himself. There you go. So. Yeah. And yeah. So we're not sure. Uh, but I think it's interesting, the verses that lead in then to John chapter 3, they just simply say this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So it, it seems to, at the very least to me, it seems that he was in Jerusalem during the Passover. Whether he cleansed the temple that time or not, we, we're not sure chronologically again. But it seems as though he was already performing signs. Jesus was already, he already had a following. And that's really what prompts the Nicodemus to go and check things out. Check this Jesus guy out. So Nicodemus, Nicodemus, we hear that he's a Pharisee, and we hear that he's a ruler of the Jews. So what does that even mean? A Pharisee is someone who commanded the respect of the people. They were a sect of Jews, Judaism, that, that taught in order to win and keep God's favor, you needed to do certain things. You needed to stay away from Gentiles. You needed to follow the commandments pretty much perfectly. You even needed to follow some extra commands they came up with. Um, so a Pharisee. But Nicodemus, on top of that, is a ruler of the Jews. So that means most likely he was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, this powerful, influential council made up of 
70 lay leaders, but then also uh, scribes and even the chief priests himself. Uh, they oversaw religious matters, but even civil matters, too, of the Jews. So Nicodemus, as we picture him there talking to Jesus, he is respected. He is a great teacher, a rabbi himself, Nicodemus, was someone with money and power and influence who is going to talk to Jesus, as we'll see, at night under the cover of darkness. And so what do you make of that at night under the cover of darkness? Because there's two interpretations. There are some people simply say that it's part of the imagery that John loves to use, right? Oh, yeah. Jesus is the light of the world, and John loves to use the image of darkness. I think there's darkness there at Jesus' crucifixion, although to me, the most obvious thing would be he's coming under the cover of darkness at night because he is just what you said he is. He's this very prominent Jewish leader, and he realizes that most of his friends aren't really into Jesus, as the kids say. <laughs> and so he's a little embarrassed to be seen in public with a guy that all of his friends kind of question. As every teenager understands, you don't want to be seen with a the kids that aren't cool. So I don't know. What's your, what, what's your take? I'm going to say you know, maybe it's a Lutheran answer, John. I'll say both. Okay. I don't see why it can't be both. I think Nicodemus, yeah, probably literally did talk to Jesus at night. And uh, for those reasons you mentioned, the city's asleep, but even more importantly, his colleagues among the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin wouldn't know that he visited Jesus. But yeah, I think we could also use that as a picture of spiritually coming out of darkness and into the light of the gospel that that Jesus certainly shares with Nicodemus. Yeah. All right, good. Let's get into the actual text. John, you want to read okay. uh, chapter three? We'll just start with verse verse one. And uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's read through uh, maybe, I don't know, verse eight or so maybe, John. You want to okay. tackle that? Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, or rather, amen, amen. I don't know why the English wants to say truly, because we all know the word amen. And it is the word that Jesus said. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, amen, amen, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Yeah, thanks, John. So again, coming to Jesus at night, and then the first thing that, that Nicodemus says, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God. Or no one can do the signs that you do. See, there's those signs and miracles unless God is with him. So what do you make of that, John? Is Nicodemus being sincere there? Does he really see Jesus as a rabbi and someone sent from God? Or what do you think? Don't get me started on that, man. <laughs> okay. Because it's just, I think he's sincere, but he's still so wrong. He's just so wrong in so many ways. It always tickles me that he says, we, that's nah. an editorial thing. Yeah. I think Jesus, it's a private conversation. It's all right. In church, we say we believe, but this is a private conversation. The issue is, Nicodemus, what do you believe? So it should be, I believe. I'm also troubled by the fact that whatever he believes is because of the signs. And Jesus elsewhere says, it's a wicked and adulterous generation that goes seeking after signs. So that's not necessarily a good thing either. And then, of course, the fact that the best he can do is saying that he's just a teacher from God, but still just a teacher. And uh, C.S. Lewis, 
writes at length, that's one thing you really can't say about Jesus. I mean, if you listen to the things he says, or the way he says, cut off your hand and pluck out your eye, and he tells a guy to follow him, and the guy says, oh, I got to bury my father. And he said, oh, leave the dead to bury the dead. He, he seems like a megalomaniac if you actually listen to the fact he seems like a crazy guy, doesn't he? Because he goes around acting like he's God. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what we do with people who act like God? We usually assign them to some psychiatric institution. So that was C.S. Lewis' point. He's either a horrible cult leader, and there's that too, this business about being willing to die for his sake. That sounds like something that cult leader Jim Jones probably said to his. Uh, so he's either crazy or he may be some kind of evil cult leader, but he's not really a great teacher. Or he is, C.S. Lewis says what he says he is, which is the almighty God. That's a possibility. Yeah. 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 I'll take that option, John. Okay. I <laughs> I'll go the God one. Too. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I I think you're right. And I but I I also think that what's reflected here in Nicodemus is probably maybe, you know, what a lot of people are like today, right? Oh, they know yeah. a little bit about Jesus and yeah, he's it seems like he's done some pretty neat stuff. And a teacher, a rabbi, oh yeah, I can buy that. But really, who is he? Who is Jesus? Yeah. And I think the world today, so many just searching, and especially in our American context, we people don't have that just basic knowledge of the Bible about who Jesus is that maybe we once had. And I think, like Nicodemus, just wondering, who is uh, It almost seems as Jesus talks to him, guess what? God's word is at work, his spirit is at work. And it seems to me that Nicodemus comes, even in this conversation, to a better understanding of, of who this Jesus might be. And, and yet, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, and yet when this conversation is over, there, there's no indication that Nicodemus is really changed. Because obviously one of the things that Jesus says is God. Now, no great teacher would have a right to say this. But Jesus just demands you to leave everything and follow him. In fact, he even says you need to love him more than you love your mother, father, son, and daughter, which is really, it's either what God says or it's what a megalomaniac would say. And at this point, Nicodemus isn't going to leave everything he has and follow Jesus. But you're right. It's starting to work, isn't it? The word of Jesus is starting to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially when we then see Nicodemus in chapter 7 and then chapter 19, we see a development, I think, in Nicodemus's life, the spirit of work. But yeah, here at the end of chapter 3, John, yeah, we're left not knowing what does Nicodemus believe? What does he think about Jesus? So yeah, Jesus talks to him and almost in a riddle-like, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, of course, takes that pretty literally. How could somebody be born again, enter in the womb another time? For obvious reasons, that's not possible. And then Jesus, truly, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Baptismal talk. And especially right. we would see right. that in retrospect, that yeah, water and Spirit, water and the Word. He's talking about not just a physical rebirth, but a spiritual new birth that's of water in the Spirit. Uh, that's, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, interesting too. You mentioned the Greek words. It says being born, uh, born again, and literally Jesus is saying born from above. I think that's right. interesting too in the original Greek text. So kind of interesting that the English versions choose to say born again instead of born from above. And they do that, Matt, because of Nicodemus's misunderstanding, because yeah. he says, "Do I need to enter my mother's womb a second time?" But I'm thinking. That's the problem. He does not understand. Why are you translating it on the basis of a guy who does not understand when the Greek, like you said, and it's never used anywhere else in John as again. It's always used, as you said, as above. And that's the point. Whatever this birth is, it can't be coming. He says that flesh is flesh, right? So it can't be coming from down here. It's got to be coming from above, from God, from Jesus, from the Spirit, as he indicates. Yeah. Yeah, I think both, and I think both ways of speaking about it, I think shows us something important about baptism, water, and the spirit. Yeah. 
that this being, whether born again or born from above, both ways, when someone is born, you, the baby really doesn't have much to do with it, right? The baby doesn't make the decision. Of, it's about time to be born now. Or, I'll help mom push. I'll kick my way out. <laughs> you know, it's or, or better than that, Matt. So you were up there in limbo and you decided... Yeah, I think I'd like to be born now. <laughs> yeah, it's boring up here in limbo. Come on, mom and dad, let's get going here. No, obviously, no. That no, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Like the teenagers say, I didn't ask to be born. Well, you're right, you didn't. You didn't. That's the whole thing about being born. Yeah. So, and same with baptism, right? That God is the one at work. God is the one that, that does it all. He's the one who gives the new birth. And I like that image. He's giving it from above. It's coming down to us from God. Uh, and even the rebirth, being born again, God is the one working that new birth and that new creation. We're not doing it. He's doing it all. And I, I think especially when any time someone is baptized, but especially when a baby comes to be baptized, and that kid's not doing anything. It's, it's God is doing it all. It is grace alone that this child is receiving that new birth from above in holy baptism. So I, that's just, I think that's a neat conversation that we can learn from today between Nicodemus. And so Matt, here's the thing. Number one, I agree with you. And it's interesting that in, in, in C.S. Lewis, what, 50, 60 years before us, and it apparently was the same way during his time. World War II was his time. And we're, we're thinking that Jesus is a teacher. No, that's inadequate. That won't work. <laughs> no, no, you'll never get anywhere if you think he's a teacher. He is the Son of God. That's what you have to wrestle with. Is he the Son of God? And then you have the second problem, that when people even come to that point, I believe he's the Son of God. And so I guess now I need to make a choice. I need to decide yeah. for Jesus. We hear that language so much. Whereas it's no, it's like being born. That's what it is. And there's no choice involved in being born. It is, as you said, it's something that God does. And I find that a great comfort to know that God wanted a baby and he wanted me. <laughs> okay. That's a great thing to know that he wanted children. And you and I and all of our listeners are the children that he seeks and that he wants and that he creates as you through baptism. Yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And see, and the thing of it is, too, great points, John. In addition to that, babies need that new birth and that uh, new creation. Because yeah. I think sometimes they think it's a cute little baby. They seem pretty innocent to me. Yeah, they do look like that. But at the same time, we have from Scripture, Psalm 51 and other places that no, we're sinful from birth, sinful from the time we can see. Even our baptismal service, the Lutheran service book, it talks about how we are all born sinful and under the power of the devil, even, until Christ claims us as his own. It's not as though we're born and we're neutral, where it could be bad, we could be good, maybe a little bit of both. We're, we're under the power of the devil. We are apart from Christ until we're claimed as his own. And so baptism is one of the places where God does just that, claims us as his own forgives us, connects us to Jesus. And so if that gift is available to us, wow, you receive it. Bring your child to receive it as soon as possible so that they may be Christ's own, that they may be reborn, born from above, and by water and the Spirit, as Jesus says. So two things, Matt. Number one, we're going we're gonna to carry this over to next right. week's episode. All right. Because I know you're getting anxious. <laughs> and our listeners should know that I even forgot we were recording this morning. I wasn't going to say so that, John. No. This, is, this has been kind of a last-minute deal. But So don't get anxious. we got plenty more to say. We'll continue it. But I did want to point out, I think this whole business about the kids being innocent, 
and all that comes from grandparents. Okay. <laughs> Full circle. Back me. to the grandparents. Huh, John? Uh, yeah, my my grandchildren, they are perfect. They're great. <laughs> and I realize the reason it is because as soon as they get to be a pain in the you know what, here mom, here dad, they're yours. <laughs> We're giving them back to you. <laughs> oh yeah, look, the baby pooped his diaper. Come here, come here, dad. <laughs> I want to give your son back to you. See. But you're right, when you're the parent. No, they're not holy. They're not innocent. They're just a handful of trouble from the moment they're born. But aren't you right? Isn't that cool? God says, they're my children. That's I put them in your hands. I know they're a handful. And you're supposed to love and care for them and change their diaper. That's your God-given vocation. And I'm going to make them my children through the water of baptism. Because we all need that. We all need to have a What's it say? We all need to be born above, born again. It just even if you're, even if you're an old crotchety guy like me, seventy years old, and you're just coming at it, you have to be born again, and that's what really Nicodemus marveled at. Yeah, and then you, even for us who maybe you were baptized seventy years ago, John, even for us, it's that rebirth then, that being born from above, that happens daily. Then, so we remember our baptism, we live in that baptism, and every day. We repent of that sin, that old person is drowned, that old sinful self, and then raised to new life. So we reborn, born from above every day. So baptism, not just a one-time thing, but something we live in each and every day. All right, good stuff, John. And maybe some new perspectives, too, on John chapter 3, I hope, for our listeners, something to learn from it. We'll get to John 3.16 next week and trace a little more of Dick Nicodemus' as you've been listening to Wrestling with the Basics.